This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Oh, just opened up a, a second bubbly water of the day. Uh-oh. Good. It's good, You're good. hydrated. I think we actually started early. I don't think we've ever I seen that before. This yeah. is a raspberry bubbly. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, what did I have today? I had a protein shake. No, see, look at us being all healthy and good. I like it. Woohoo! Nice. That's really, really nice. Uh, a lot uh, of people in the chat. Yeah, Hello. look at you. Hello, people Hello. In the chat. Please click like while you can, and uh, yeah. well, not that you well, couldn't you later, but <laughs> might as well do it now late. before uh, the portal closes. <laughs> before the portal closes, and you're left locked out. And please, if you haven't subscribed, please do that as well. We appreciate it. Yeah, um, we haven't said this in a while either, but. If you want to email us or get a hold of us in any way, Kim at the afterparty.live. Not in any way. Don't That's not kosher. Don't send naked pictures. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Don't send pictures now. That might be weird. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. And if you have any stories that you want to pass our way, please do. We always appreciate yeah. the... Some people send animal stories. Some people send mm-hmm. uh, other travel stories. Uh, anything you think m- might be interesting to the... Uh, general public of the after party we will take it all absolutely did you see this headline um study finds we love our study people (laughs) this one's local study finds that californians spend the most on groceries in america yeah that's not a surprise i did see that story is that shocking um no it isn't but you know you read through it and it's like oh that's sad they go through the all the states and um yeah uh, state of depression California, our average cost is 297 dollars and 72 cents mm-hmm. wow per week yeah. per week per week yeah then wow. nevada then mississippi then washington florida new mexico texas louisiana colorado oklahoma rounds out the top 10 they spend 279 dollars 16 cents so they're spending 20 bucks less a week than we are yeah. but mm, you know um they're the most california expensive cities i thought that was interesting the most expensive city to buy groceries in is miami they spend 327 bucks a week followed by houston riverside and then san francisco at 298 and los angeles at 295 don't i know new york dallas chicago atlanta so sometimes i'll do my grocery shopping on the way home from my mom's house in the north bay get that north bay pricing just like I get I my gas in the North Bay. Cheaper. You think it's that much cheaper? It's a little bit cheaper, yeah. yeah. And if you go to, like, it's not just grocery stores. Like, if you go to Chipotle, it's usually, like, maybe a dollar or almost a dollar cheaper in Petaluma. So, you know, my stomach yeah. doesn't know the difference. No, it really doesn't. Um, yeah, San Francisco is pricey. Everything is ridiculous. Uh, you can't get lunch for, like, less than, like, 20 bucks now. It was 15 and before that, you know. Remember when a sandwich used to be $5? We'd, yeah. We'd hike to Safeway uphill. Here's Both part ways. of the story that I don't... Can you... Maybe you can explain it to me. Explain it, please. Those with less than a high school education report the highest average spending level with 320 a week, followed by those with a high school diploma at 274 and those with some college at 268 Those with a bachelor's degree or higher reported average weekly grocery spending of 258 Wouldn't you think the more... The, the higher a degree you had, the better job you have, the more money you would be able to spend. But this is the 
opposite. So well, they're not specifying saying... what they're buying. So I imagine that the less than high school educated are probably buying a lot of processed foods with the markup on them as, a, as opposed to raw Maybe. ingredients like yeah. potatoes. Potatoes are cheap, relatively onions compared to right. like uh, frozen frozen meals. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Or they're, you know, maybe getting um, something out of this, like the, the fried food section of Safeway or something like that. They're not right. specifying what they're buying. So no. I think that's that's what the issue comes down to. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Um, let's talk about polar bears. Did you know they're polar good divers? Bears. It would make sense, right? Because yeah. that's, kind of that's kind of their scene. Well, they're really, really, really good divers. So check this out. Forget the guy in the bear suit, the shivering humans and their polar bear plunge. This is the real thing. Two polar bear twins born at the Toledo, Ohio Zoo, once fascinated by their own feet, are now performing feats of diving skill. With young fans urging them on... The kids think they're involved and are excited to be telling him to jump off the uh, the ledge there, but he's he's going to do it anyway. And it just so happens he loves doing it in front of the in front of the class. Kalik and Kalu, indigenous names meaning lightning and thunder, went from accidentally falling into the water to learning to swim using mom as a raft to diving in the shallow pool. And now, at the age of a year and two months, doing the high dive off the cliff, even throwing a plastic toy off the ledge and diving after it. Maybe the baby bear in the famous commercials dove in to get to the coke. But these two just love to dive, and they thrive on the crowd's reaction. They love it. They can't get enough of it, and they'll come up right up to the glass. Something we can all get behind. What could be less polarizing than diving polar bears? Genimos, CNN, New York. Our thanks to CNN for that story. I love to watch I get them it. polarizing. I, get it. I yeah. love to watch them dive. They're so cool. They're such cute animals. It's too bad they're so like frightening and aggressive and scary. You know, and while we're watching that, I'm realizing we're probably going to be demonetized by by a Coca-Cola polar bear. Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, on that true. previous story, Karen uh, says maybe those lower on the scale don't go out for food as so much. Uh, need to buy more groceries, yeah. right? Like they can't afford to go out to eat. That that that's a good point. Yeah, and, that's true. And, that's a really good point. And, yeah. And Spencer says bad food isn't cheap. That's true. That's true too. And you um, know what else is true? What? Our love for Pamela Kirby. Oh, yay. Look at that. For Archie and your shameless use of him. <laughs> LOL. It's great. He was very well behaved last night. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about giraffes. We like giraffes let's talk too. About, don't we? I do would like giraffes. We have this giraffe calf girl named Pippi, like a Pippi Longstocking giraffe. Yeah. So New York Zoo announced its second giraffe calf born in a week is a girl with the same father. You are the father, but a different <laughs> mother from the first calf. Oh, he gets around. You the, are not the mother. You're not the mother. Well, she would know. The Seneca Park Zoo said the second <laughs> calf born December 13th is a female who was dubbed Pippi due to her unruly ossicones. Ossicones? Those, uh, that resembled pigtails sported by fic- fictional character Pippi Longstocking. Oh, so I guess that's the little things that stick out. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's take a look. Pippi was born to Mother Iggy one week after another giraffe, Capenzi, gave birth to a male calf dubbed Parker Jr., a.k.a. PJ. Both calves were fathered by Parker, a giraffe who died in Febru uh, February. February. Aww. The zoo said the mothers and their calves are doing well in a behind-the-scenes area. That's sweet. Yeah. You know what else is sweet? Spencer, Spencer Jaffe Spencer with a $5 Jaffe. super sticker. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's not sweet. Uh oh. Rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. Oh no. This reptile business where they go and they wrangle the snakes that you find. You really want me to put it on the screen, right? They were even no. They were no. even uh, they were even surprised by this one. They were called out to this barn in Auburn to remove snakes from an old barn that collapsed about 10 years ago. And so when the workers went out to this old barn and they pulled up the sheet metal roof, they found a whole family of rattlesnakes, 17 rattlesnakes, five adults, 10 babies, two juveniles, estimated to be about one or two years old. A member of the snake removal team said it was the most rattlesnakes he'd ever seen in a single place. I've never seen anything like this. With the most calls resulting in the capture of no more than five reptiles. But yeah, 17 rattlesnakes in this old barn. Wow. That has to be disconcerting because you know they're all over the place. So you grab yeah. one, but is there another one behind you? Like it's it's like the um the the Indiana Jones movie where you land in a pit of snakes. Where, yeah, where I was are always, they all? Um, I was always on alert when we went to like Jack London's park, Jack London State Park, because they mm -hmm. have the signs up, you know, that there's rattlesnakes. We never saw one, thankfully, but, uh, mm. you know, you never know. It's going to. Yeah. Oh, Wes for a $5 super sticker. Thank you, thank Wes. You, Wes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, okay. But I love these stories about animals that have been missing for a while. And then right. not the boom. missing part, but the no, but, but the, they're but the finding they're found part. and they're like right next door. Yeah. No, oh, cat missing for get this seven years. Cat is missing for seven years and it's found at a factory. You think across town, right? Next city over. Nope. 300 yards away from its home. Oh, wow. A British, this poor woman, a British woman was reunited with her lost cat after seven years when the feline was found to be living at the factory 300, uh, 300 yards from her home. Stephanie Barstow of Corby, North Hampshire, Northamptonshire, uh, said the Bengal cat Duke failed to return home after a fight with his feline sibling Nero. Oh, January 2017th. Um, and she eventually gave up after months of searching. Barstow said she was shocked when a knock on her door turned out to be a veterinarian telling her Duke had been found. She asked me if I was the owner of a cat named Duke. I couldn't believe it. She told me that he had been found 300 yards away from me at a factory. I was absolutely shocked. I completely broke down. Duke turned out to have been living at the factory where workers were providing him with food and shelter from the cold. They ended up taking the cat to the veterinarian when they determined the factory was no longer safe for Duke. It took that long. <laughs> the yeah. veterinarian found Duke had a microchip. Oh, come on. They should have scanned it earlier. Yeah, but they Barstow's should've. phone number was out of date. The veterinarian drove to Barstow's listed address and told her the good news in person. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I, you I, know what else is nice? Oh, go ahead. I, I think I wouldn't wait seven years to scan the microchip. Wouldn't that be nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Um, no, I was going to tell you what is nice is not letting age hold you back, right? Oh, okay. Do what you want to do as long as you can. Enjoy the things you can't you want to love in your life as long like as you, you can do it. If you want a YouTube show, go do get it. it. Go get it. This woman, Dwan Jacobson Young, 
lives in Fishhaven, Utah. She is a water skier. Now, she started water skiing when she was 29 years old. She is now 92. 92. Wow. She started skiing in 1961. She is now being called the world's oldest female water skier. She has grandchildren. She has children grandchildren and great grandchildren and she's out there with everybody water skiing like get a great grandma out there look at her go woohoo she said i always get butterflies before i get in the water in the water i feel excited she didn't know her family applied for the guinness world records title on her behalf and so at a christmas party this season they surprised her with the news our daughter announced that our granddaughter had a surprise she said Up on the screen came a video of me skiing this summer, and then her daughter presented her with the Guinness World Records Certificate. She said, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. What a surprise and what an honor. Look Um, at her. Awesome. Yeah, not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but like, don't you think if you were her kids at some point, you'd say like, um, you know, mom, you're getting older. The risk of you like breaking a bone are pretty high. You know, the chance know. of osteoporosis. Like, I what hope she's these, getting her calcium. They say if you don't use it, you lose it. She's using it every day. Look yeah, at her go. Yeah, I mean, there's a limit to how much your bones can take. Jeez, that's mm-hmm. impressive. But uh, maybe it's because she's just been doing it for so long. Or yeah, she she's kept all, her muscles up. She's, right. I don't know. Maybe she, yeah. <laughs> good to go. Getting out there and doing it. I love well, that good for, story. Good for her. Yeah. Um, she's doing what she wanted. It's probably all that, like, um, I'm presuming she's Mormon uh, there in Utah. If she is, then maybe it's all that clean living. Oh. Lack of caffeine, <laughs> you know. Good, clean living in God. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Protein tests can detect 18 early stage cancers, according to scientists. A U.S. biotech firm designs cheaper, less invasive multi-cancer screening, saying it could be a game changer. Uh, this simple test can identify 18 early stage cancers that experts say could represent a medical game changer. Cancer accounts for one in every six deaths worldwide. Um, but early detection can significantly improve outcomes, as we all know, right? Existing screening tests have drawbacks, including invasiveness, cost, and low levels of accuracy for early-stage disease. Now U.S. researchers have designed a test that analyzes proteins in the blood and can pick up 18 early-stage cancers, representing all main organs in the human body. That's pretty cool. That really Spe- is. Specific blood proteins could already be used for early detection and monitoring, but it, until now, tests have lacked sensitivity. That's the accuracy of picking up those with cancer and specifically or specificity, got it, accuracy of excluding those without cancer, the researcher said. The team from uh, the U.S. biotech firm Novelna said that their test outperformed others relying on tumor DNA in the blood and had a sensitivity much greater than the Galeri test being trialed in the uh, by the NHS in the uh, U.K., by looking at the proteins in blood plasma, the experts were able to dis- differentiate cancer samples from normal ones and even distinguish between different types of cancers with high accuracy. Uh, the researcher research also found that cancer protein signals were likely to be sex-specific. Oh. So there you go. Pretty cool. Okay. Very cool. Right? Detects cancer. I feel like early. all these, these things, all these developments, like we're getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah. To a cancer so the, free world. As we keep poisoning ourselves with nanoplastics, we got yeah. to have different things to figure it then out. We'll get the filter. We'll have to filter our blood to get the plastic out. Right. Did you but see we'll detect it. Hey, well, congratulations. Not, we found exactly. plastic in every part of your body. Right. Yeah. Now we have to figure out how to suck it all out. Um, 
So did you see the story about the VR goggles they're making for mice? Oh, I thought you were going to see the sheep that go to the Apple store. No. <laughs> um, these mice now can feel what it's like to be attacked by a bird. Well, I don't can't know. Can they do that out in the field? Kind of mean. Yeah, can't right? they do that out in the field? That's stress-inducing. Upon noticing the simulated bird of prey, terrified Jesus. rodents who are wearing these VR goggles ran faster on the treadmill used during the tests, or they froze, both of which are real common responses to overhead threats. I don't know why you would do this to a creature. It's called Miniature Rodent Stereo Illumination, VR. So the headgear is made up of two lenses and two screens split between both eyes to give these rodents an immersive 3D picture. Like VR that we have for humans, the mice cannot see the outside world. They are made to feel like they are somewhere else. But unlike the headsets that people wear, which wrap around your head, these just perch right on the mouse's face or the rat's face. The researchers at Northwestern in Illinois said by simulating a mouse's natural environment, they'd achieve greater understanding of their behavior. Until now, they've just put a flat screen that around mice. So this can um, convey depth. The mice can still see parts of the lab peeking through. That, so that's not going to work. That's why they say if you're studying mice that these and their behavior, that these mice VR headsets work. It helps them engage in their, their environment with a more natural way. Helps them? Yeah. I don't think it's very helpful. Michael says virtual run like hell. It's virtual terror is what it yeah, is. I think everyone in the chat saying it's cruel. Yeah. The goggles help them engage with their environment so they can simulate aerial threats like birds of prey. Researchers projected a dark expanding disc into the top of the goggles and the top of the mice's fields of view. Upon noticing the disc, they either ran faster on the treadmill used during the test or they froze. They also want to simulate scenarios where the mouse is the predator. We could watch brain activity while it chases a fly, for example. That What's activity. The point? Involves the depth like, person. They just want to look at their mouse behavior, I guess, like study its behavior. Because I don't know, we poke and prod and and tinker with things until we they understand might as well them. just give these to like employees in corporate America. <laughs> I don't know. They think that by studying these rodents, it will help gain new insights into how the human brain adapts and reacts to repeated VR exposure. Oh, let's just call it what it is. That's animal abuse. I don't get the point. Why do we need to know this? Yeah, it's animal abuse. I mean, isn't it obvious that if a mouse perceives or a rat perceives that there's a bird of prey coming for it, it's going to either run like hell or hide? Right. I mean, yeah. hello? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, speaking of brains, humans, love, we teased this yesterday, love really does change how the brain works. This is out of Australia. Love can make people do crazy things, and now a new study is explaining why. Scientists in Australia have found that love really does scramble the human brain on a neurological level, while prior studies have established that romantic love has a connection to the re release of oxytocin, right? We know that, often called the love hormone within the brain. This new report documents how a specific area of the brain is responsible for placing our sweethearts on a pedestal when we fall in love, or when we first fall in love, they say. <laughs> I don't know about your current situation. Uh, the project was a joint collaboration uh, between multiple universities. We actually know very little about the evolution of romantic love, uh, says the lead researcher. 
Uh, as a result, every finding that tells us about a romantic love's evolution is an important piece of the puzzle that's just been started. It is thought that romantic love first emerged some 5 million years ago after we split off from our ancestors, the great apes. We know the ancient Greeks philosophized about it a lot, recognized it as an amazing as, a, as, an amazing as well as traumatic experience, uh, kind of like putting uh, VR goggles on. <laughs> the oldest poem ever to be recovered was, in fact, a love poem dated around 2000 B.C., um, Study authors explained that this project was the first ever to investigate and analyze the link connecting the human mind's behavioral activation system, or BAS, and feelings of romantic love. In all, a total of uh, over 1,500 young adults who identified as being in love took part in the surveys. Questions mostly focused on their emotional reaction to their partner, their behavior around them, and the focus they placed on their love, loved one above anything else. Sure enough, researchers discovered that when people fall in love, our brains react differently. Our new romantic flame becomes the center of our lives. They explain that the study shows uh, shed some light on the mysterious mechanisms uh, underlying romantic love. We know that the we know the role that oxytocin plays in romantic love because we get waves of it circulating through our nervous system and bloodstream. Right, the way that loved ones take on a special importance, though, however, is due to oxytocin combining with dopamine, chemical that our brain releases during romantic love. Essentially, love activates pathways in the brain associated with positive feelings. So it's a mixture of dopamine with your oxytocin. And that makes me- you... combo meal. It makes you put a, a, your loved one on a pedestal? Is this why... it makes why, you go a little crazy. Is this why you um, it might, might, when you're you know in the throes of love, kind of look away at all the bad stuff? <laughs> you, mm-hmm. You're only seeing the good things. Right. You're not seeing the red flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking back, rose-colored lenses. Um, we had some questions about a, if we were going to talk about a beef story, but we have an entire we have beef, a beef news segment. segment. So That's this right. is Kim McAllister. It's very with beefy. Beef, with beef <laughs> news. Would you call this breaking news? No, no, I wouldn't call it breaking news. You well, might have heard I us- called it breaking news. After Party Live, breaking news. Well, beef I don't know. News. We, breaking we already, beef news. We talked about this on the Nikki Maduro show this morning. Don't so I, I don't want to break it, but we'll don't break it. Don't ruin the illusion. No. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he's of Facebook fame, meta. He's now becoming a cattle rancher, too. He has this multi-gazillion dollar property, $170 million he paid for this property in Kauai. And he's got uh, cattle on it. They're Wagyu. And so he's come up with a way to feed them so that they, I guess, taste really good. He's feeding them macadamia nuts and beer both produced on the property his goal he says is to create some of the highest quality beef in the world yep did you say macadamia nuts and beer macadamia nuts and beer Mm -hmm. so this like the super bowl diet i guess it is the cattle are wagyu and angus they'll grow up eating macadamia meal and drinking beer that they grow and produce at the ranch on Kauai. Uh, you know these wagyu cows can go yeah. f- for as much as thirty thousand dollars, and the macadamia nuts are really expensive as well. Have you ever tried to buy macadamia nuts? I mean, they're they're very expensive. They're usually gifted to me. That's all the ones I get. That's it. Yeah. So he says each of his cows eat ten thousand pounds of macadamia nuts a year. That's a lot of macadamia nuts. Plus, and I I won't ding him for this because i think it's a very wet island and so they get a lot of rain and he's probably not wasting water but it takes 4800 gallons of water 
to um to handle one macadamia tree macadamia nut tree per year forty eight hundred gallons of water he's probably raising the price of macadamia nuts seven hundred forty thousand gallons of water per year if you have one hundred fifty four trees which apparently is what they think he has um. And so it is one of the wettest spots on earth. So he's probably not, you know, wasting water doing this. I'm sure he's wasting water on purpose. Yeah, I don't know. John says, uh, happy cows. Happy cows apparently do, they come from Hawaii, not California. They have a, it's funny, they had the happy cows of California ads here. They also have the happy cows of Hawaii. Happy oh, cows really? of, of Haleakala. Yeah, they have the oh, happy cows. Michael says, there. I could be one of Zuck's cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually, wouldn't you want to with your mac nuts and beer? Just hang out in there and then disappear on slaughter day. Mm. He said he wants his whole cattle project to be local and vertically integrated. And uh, then he put out this picture of himself you see on the screen with two big slabs of beef right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the beef. Where's the beef? There's the beef. Where's the beef? Luis says, I'm so glad Zuck is doing so much to help the world with his vast fortune. Now his cows uh, have it better and richer than 80% of the people on the planet. It seems rather, um, I don't know, self-serving in yeah, a way. self-indulgent. And uh, wasteful. Yeah, but- it says at the, bo- at the bottom of his post, of all my projects, this is the most delicious. For people who think he's like an <laughs> alien, right? And he's trying to become more human. He sounds like an alien. He's like, this is my most delicious project as a human. Most mm. delicious. I've discovered fatted, fatted calves. Mm. <laughs> something, I'm not weird. I'm not weird at all. Something big going on at McDonald's as well. Uh-oh. Yep. There it is. Look at that. Kind of put your mouth around oh, that you, bad boy. I used to make those. The doubles? The double doubles? No, but Big Macs. So I know what's wrong with it or what's better about it. Mm. Um, this is funny. So there's an extra, there's an extra, uh, patty on each level of the, mm-hmm. uh, hamburger high rise there. Uh, the double Big Mac is coming to, uh, McDonald's again, nationwide beginning January 24th. The bigger version of the famous Big Mac includes four beef patties, more Big Mac sauce, because <laughs> that's what you really need. Right. Um, and double, uh, double the portion of pickles, shredded less lettuce, finely chopped onions, and more, uh, house between a sesame seed bun. Hmm. Um, more house. Do you know what that means? No. Um, strange. The double Big Mac originally debuted in on menus in 2020. <clears throat> pardon me. Along with the Little Mac. Uh, that sounds like a better idea. The price of the burger will vary on individual restaurants. Um, let me guess. It's going to cost like 40% more. <laughs> McDonald's has sold di- different versions of the Big Mac in the past. Uh, the Grand Mac uh, used only two patties, but they were larger than the typical piece of meat used on regular Big Mac. Yeah, these are called 10 to 1 patties. So there's 10 of them um, in a pound. And they're really mm. tiny. So they're small. They're like hockey pucks before you cook them. And then they just right. become smaller. Uh, and if you've had a cheeseburger uh, lately or a hamburger from from McDonald's, you see how tiny they are. All their burgers come out really tiny. Um, so this is just kind of making the burger patty almost normal size, mm. I would say. I don't think it's that big of a deal. No. no. Um, do you know where the cheeseburger was born? Cheeseburger. Or where the where the yeah, the cheeseburger. Where the cheeseburger mm. was born. Mm-hmm. Is it Europe? No. It's not. Probably something like a fair, like a New York or Chicago fair. 
Southern California. Mm-hmm. Really? In and out? No. <laughs> no. And the city at the center of the discovery is hosting a very special celebration. Cheese this specifically? Is... <laughs> no. Some cheeseburger the... specifically or hamburger? They no, said che- they say cheeseburger. Okay, it must be the cheese. Yeah. The city where the cheeseburger was born is Pasadena. Interesting. Nobody thought to put cheese on it before. There that. it is. Beautiful Pasadena. No, I guess not. Pasadena Hmm. city officials say the cheeseburger's origins can be traced back to 1924 when teenager Lionel Sternberger, get it, put put cheese on a burger while working at his dad's restaurant, which was called The Right Spot. The reason Sternberger put cheese on the hamburger has been debated, with one story saying he did it to mask the mistake of burning one side of it. Another story says a customer asked for the unusual request, but Sternberger was recognized as the inventor of the cheeseburger on the February 7th of 1964 issue of Time Magazine. Thank you very much. He unfortunately died at the age of 56 in Glendale, but... The city of Pasadena will be celebrating Sternberger's creation's centennial anniversary with Cheeseburger Week from January 21st to 27th. It is a citywide celebration in Pasadena that will uh, be completed with limited time deals at restaurants, a cheeseburger walking tour, and more. If you stay at one of seven hotels in Pasadena in the, the month of January, you can get a free cheeseburgers. Others can pick up their cheeseburger passport, which can be redeemed for prizes when you're visiting restaurants. So they've been doing this Pasadena Cheeseburger Week since 2012. I think everyone's been doing a cheeseburger week. Cheeseburger week. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I had no idea that it was a Pasadena thing. So, yeah, cheeseburgers. And thus concludes our beef news. Beef news. That was beef news. Um, Coming up after a break, we have a story about Miller Lite releasing a non-alcoholic product. Mm -hmm. It's not beer. What could it possibly be for Miller Lite? Um, We'll find out. We'll find Mm -hmm. out after this break. On the... After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, 15 or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. And we want to thank our ongoing contributor. Who is that, Kim? Oh, I'm sorry. I have to tell you something. Oh, I'll do it. No, no. I I want to tell you something first. My husband brought me this soup. And I thought it was... Split pea soup? No, it isn't pea soup. I thought it was like a a cheese, broccoli cheese soup. But I took a bite of it and it has meat in it. Like cheeseburger? Cheeseburger Yes, it's cheeseburger soup. It's well, doesn't he know you're soup. on the air? First rule of broadcasting. <laughs> Thumbs down no, on no the food, cheeseburger no food soup. In the stu- no food in the studio. No but... cheeseburger soup. No. Uh, we want to thank ongoing contributor Teresa W. <laughs> Teresa W., thank you. You're helping to fund uh, cheeseburger soup at the McAllister <laughs> household. I guess. Huge thank you to Pam- Pamela Kirby for $5 <clears throat> and helping us out with Archie. We appreciate that. Thank you. Spencer. You're getting choked up on your cheeseburger soup. Spencer for $5. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wes for $5. Thank you so much. 
Thank you guys. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, every single contribution makes a huge difference on our little, little show. Uh, our next story that I teased yeah. was about Miller Lite, uh, which I mentioned on previous show. If you're going to have a cheap beer, a low calorie beer, beer I think Miller yeah. Lite is probably one of your better options because it actually has some flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miller Lite has released a new product. Can a mouth mint taste great and be less filling? Miller Lite is betting so with this new beer mints. After you have your cheeseburger soup, pop in a beer mint. Billed oh, by the longtime light beer so brand gross. as having the same. Is it more mm-hmm. gross than cheeseburger soup? Not it sure. might not be. I don't know. The I don't think anything could be. The same great taste as Miller Lite, only without the beer. The new beer mints, $5 for a tin of 40, go on sale at MillerLightBeerMints.com uh, tomorrow. Yeah. While supplies last, they might last for a while. A second beer mint drop is planned for January 19th, according to the press release. Beer mints, which do not actually have any alcohol, are being marketed as support for those undertaking dry January. Well, that's cool, right? People who are taking a break from alcohol. We created beer mints for the folks participating in dry January who might miss the taste of Miller Lite. Probably not. While being out with friends this January, uh, according to their vice president of marketing, uh, who needed to do something to justify her job, apparently. If you love the taste of beer but want to take a break from the alcohol beverage, uh, the alcoholic beverage for the month, we're offering consumers the perfect way to enjoy Miller Lite without breaking any resolutions. Beer mints oh. may be a little unexpected, but we're confident that our fans will love the great taste along with the surprising note of spearmint. So it tastes well, the- like, oh, it, it does taste like beer? Oh, but they added spearmint, so it doesn't really taste like Miller Lite. Sounds gross. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna pass so on that. the beer mints. No, you get that and um, a Stanley Cup. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I told my Just... roommate about the Stanley Cup, and he's like, "That's hideous. Why would you spend money on that?" Yeah. People are spending a lot of money on it. Yeah, they're making a big profit. If you can buy them, buy the the Target ones, the pink, the new pink ones. I saw one online the other day for two hundred and sixty dollars. Financial irresponsibility. Irra- mm-hmm. um, fruit bats. Look at oh. a fruit bat. Fruit bats eat up to twice their body weight in sugary mangoes and bananas or figs every day. And they Mark survive. Mark Zuckerberg wants them to have macadamia nuts. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> but you know what they don't get? Diabetes. They eat sugar, 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 and they don't get sick from it. The study published January 9th in the journal Nature Communications found genetic adaptations have helped keep their sugary diets from becoming harmful. They are hoping that by studying the fruit bat, that it could have implications for treating diabetes, which affects about 38 million Americans. Um, It's the eighth leading cause of death in the United States and the leading cause of kidney failure, lower limb amputations, and adult blindness. So diabetes has a big impact on us. And if we can figure out why the fruit bat can eat sugar and not be You know, I think I know why they don't have diabetes. Why? Because they're taking Jardians. They're dancing with that woman, the dancing Jardians woman. She has type 2 diabetes, but she manages it well. Oh. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about? She's everywhere. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it's Jardians. So with diabetes, the human body can't produce or detect insulin, right? And that's what leads to problems controlling our blood sugar. Um, But fruit bats have this genetic system that controls their blood sugar without fail. So the scientists are trying to figure out from that system what's going on with it to make better insulin or sugar sensing therapies for people. 
probably involves the fiber too i imagine yeah fruit bats could hold the key to solving the questions of diabetes like diabetes Mm -hmm. well um i was gonna say we'll have to let wilford brimley know but i think he's dead isn't he oh that's sad diabetes (laughs) yeah he died uh 2020 um it's hard to keep track sometimes i you know do you find that you're like like, i have no idea if that person's living or dead yeah sometimes you forget track yeah yeah sometimes you feel like a nut macadamia nut Um, meta back to meta Meta is going to start blocking some content from reaching teens on Facebook and Instagram. The company, which has faced ongoing scrutiny over their creepy CEO, over how young people use its products, said it wanted to create more age-appropriate experiences on their apps. Didn't they promise this already? Mm-hmm. Meta will begin removing some sensitive and age-inappropriate content from teenagers' feeds, the company said uh, Tuesday. Meta already restricted topics such as self-harm, eating disorders, and mental illness from being recommended to teens on Reels and on the Explore pages of its apps. The new update will also restrict these topics from appearing in a young user's feed and stories, even if the content was posted by people that they follow, right? So they're following somebody who has inappropriate content. The company said it is hiding more search results in terms related to suicide, self-harm, eating disorders, and for everyone in the coming weeks, Meta said it will be directing people to resources for help if they search for these topics. We want teens to have a safe, age-appropriate experience on our apps, um, the company said about 10 years too late, uh, <laughs> or almost. Uh, teens will have the most restrictive content control settings on Facebook and Instagram uh, by default. This measure is being used to reduce the amount of sensitive content that they're exposed to on Meta's apps. Yeah, I think that's um, it's taking them a little too long to get there. Yeah, and then they keep saying it, and they keep coming out with, oh, we're doing it, now we're doing it, now we're doing this, now we're doing this. Yeah, why didn't you say, just do it right the first time? An internal report show, we did it on purpose. Let's talk about this animal that makes a snot palace. So gross, but yet so interesting. No, this is not the guy next door on the couch making a snot palace. No, this is called, um, this creature is the... Ocheopleura dio, dioica, and it can get pretty gross. He's a millimeter long, a filter feeding larvacean. Wait, why has it got to be a guy just because it's gross? Because, you know, I think I feel we attacked. All, I think we all can find out that that, you know, that that, make, that makes a lot of sense, right? Rude. He excretes and encases himself in a jelly like substance to form what biologists call a mucus house or a snot palace. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it selling for? Uh, How that, many bathrooms? It, it depends. Is it in San Francisco or Fresno? I don't yeah. know. Um, using its tail, this creature pumps its, well, they use a tail to uh, create its own pump filtration system, which captures food it propels food particles towards its mouth the researchers think the snot palace's interior fluid dynamics could inspire a new generation of artificial pump systems for wastewater treatment plants and air filtration systems it's it's structure it's snot palace structure and what it does is so complex and interesting that we think we could steal this mechanism and filter out our own stuff with it uh-huh they work as detailed in the Journal of the Royal Society Interface. They're trying to better understand the Snot Palace's inner workings. So no. 
They went to a video camera attached to a microscope. In reviewing the footage, researchers noticed how this creature's tail shifted responsibilities depending on whether or not it was time to eat. While it was just swimming near the ocean's surface, it went from side to side to push the creature forward through the water. But... It's a different story once you're inside the snot palace. In that case, mm-hmm, the appendage touched the interior in multiple locations. When the tail wiggles in those moments, the animal doesn't move nearly as much. Instead, the tail sticks and unsticks from the casing like Velcro, and the snot palace inflates like a balloon and the nearby particles collect on the surface. Each movement pushes the particles along, eventually in the direction of the creature's mouth. Once the mucus filtration system is too clogged to function, it sheds its makeshift restaurant, which then sinks into the ocean and eventually decomposes. In about three to four hours, it repeats that process all over again. Snot palace. I'm telling you. Snot palace. (laughs) You know, you might develop your own snot palace if you're not sleeping well. Oh. The average person suffers. How many nights, bad nights of sleep per year do you think? Mm, Ballpark. Average person? Yeah. We know you're above average. Yeah. I Maybe two nights a week? Uh, well, That would be like, how many weeks are there? That'd be, was there 52 weeks in the in the year? Yeah, yeah. So that would be, what, 104? Mm-hmm. Close. 113. Oh, okay. The average person suffers 113, 113 bad nights of sleep each year. Uh, the average American gets uh, the perfect night's sleep, only 132. Uh, did I ask that right? How many How many good nights you get? Oh, I was talking about bad nights. No. That, okay, I'm gonna, the I'm answer is good nights? You no, know, no, you're right. The average person suffers 113 bad nights. Okay. But okay. they only get good I'm confusing the story. I apologize. Let's back up. 113 bad nights of sleep, right? You were right about that. The average American gets perfect night's sleep, only 132. It's a close number. 132 times per year, according to a new survey. So while perfection may not be always attainable, the poll of 2,000 adults revealed that Americans average 120 good nights of sleep per year. Unfortunately, that means the remaining 113 nights are bad. So we got some better sleep, people. 132 perfect Mm-hmm. 120 good and 113 bad so it's it's almost split evenly hmm. right this may yeah. be because the average american goes to sleep feeling stressed or anxious three days each week in fact this stress is so all-consuming that it keeps respondents awake for additional three hours after their intended bedtime that seems to be me every night um yeah, staying awake three hours after bedtime is also the average person's cutoff point for when they know their next day will get off to a bad start to that same tune, almost two-thirds, 65%, agree that a bad night's sleep is enough to ruin the following day. Um, conducted by one poll on behalf of cornbread hemp, which is my favorite type of hemp, the poll revealed that anxiety forces respondents to look at their phone, 59% of the time, uh, eat snacks, 49%, and stare at the ceiling, 39%, instead <laughs> of sleeping. So what exactly are they stressing out about? Almost three in five are plagued by concerns about their physical health, followed by the tasks they have to do the next day, and then mental health concerns after that. Regardless of specific stressors, 48% are equally likely to stress about situations that are already happening as much as they are to stress about hypothetical ones. Um, Solutions that people have tried, uh, reading, warm milk, uh, CBD, melatonin. Uh, Have you tried any of those? 
None of the above. Uh, and reading. Only 20- I'll sometimes I'll read. Reading puts, does put me to sleep. Only 28% found the method that they use most often to be very effective. So you know what puts me to yeah. sleep is a very quick, like I'm talking two minute spritzel of a hot shower. So I'm warmed mm. up and then I get into a fresh sheets and the feeling of being clean on fresh sheets and everything smells good. It's like, oh, I'm asleep. I'm asleep. Done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presumably, the people that uh, paid for the study, cornbread hemp. I'm guessing that they sell CBD products, but uh, probably, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it doesn't really look like most things work no. that well. Yeah. So one of the first awards I ever won was a speech contest. Oh. My elementary school here in Petaluma. Sense. Yeah, and you had to give a speech. You had to um, pick a topic. I think I did mine. I did two speeches. The first year I came in second and I did my speech on Robert Frost. And the second year I competed and I did my speech on Walt Disney and the world of imagination. And I won that year. And so I was pretty proud of that. Right. Well, this girl is a first grader and she just completely and totally kicked butt and won her speech competition at her elementary school at Chabot Elementary in Oakland. And I think I have video of this. I want to check the video if we can. Wait, you have video? Um, yeah. Oh, Oops, not of you. Was. No, not me. Oh. <laughs> no, there's no video of me. I was expecting to pull out that. the VHS. No. Check it speech out. contest in honor of Martin Luther King Jr., one first grader taking home the title in a nationwide contest highlighting the work of black American figures. New at 6, KTVU's Crystal Bailey sat down with a student and her family about her passion for black history. At just six years old, Selma is not your ordinary kid. She's a first grader here at Chabot Elementary School in Oakland, and she's making her mark delivering speeches about black history. How many crayons are there all together? Selma J3 White entered the National Frederick Douglass Oratorical Contest put on by the National Park Service by submitting a video of her reciting an excerpt from the race problem. The true problem is not the Negro, but the nation. And this year, first place in her age group goes to Selma. I love saying the speech because you got to be on stage and also the prizes. Practice ma- Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love the prizes and bragging rights? So I was happy I enough just, just going to Chuck E. Cheese. You know, tickets. <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest story. I love a good speech contest win. Well done. We appreciate your efforts. And I think that's awesome. First grade and she wins a national speech competition. How cool is that? Yeah, I am. Um, what did I do in first grade? I was in a play for um, we were up on stage in front of the whole school and I was dressed up as a bird. And my line was I had one line. You ready for it? Remember it to this day. Try what to do it, it like dramatically. Please. With flair. <clears throat> tweet. <laughs> tweet, tweet. We're on our way. Can you please do that in the Mockingbird voice? Oh. Tweet, tweet. We're on our way. <laughs> Thank you. John Joseph Daly, sag after. Um, okay, well, let's get to some entertainment news. By, I'm really proud of you, by the way. I think you, you could be in a movie. I didn't win any awards, that. though. No. I was mm-hmm. robbed. I can't believe you remember that. You have a crazy good memory. Let's about talk about things. things that don't matter. <laughs> let's talk about why Jennifer Lawrence 
kicked Robert De Niro out of her wedding. What? Yeah. She told him, actually, it was her wedding rehearsal dinner, I should say. I was eating paste in first grade. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. I don't remember it. Um, Jennifer Lawrence says she told Robert De Niro to leave her wedding dinner rehearsal, a wedding rehearsal dinner. And do you know what he said back to her? What? You talking to me? You talking to me? exactly what he said, yes. It was really cold, and it was an outdoor event. And her friends and family were coming up to her saying, we're freezing. Her mom even said, we have, grandma has to go. She's so cold out here. Um, She said, being a bride, Jennifer Lawrence said, being a bride is awful. It's so stressful. You're not having fun. You're just looking at everyone else, wondering if they're having fun, like you're this big hostess. She said, I was freaking out about the guests being cold and all of my friends were lying. They're like, nobody's cold. Nobody's cold. Everything's fine. And she said, her mom told the truth. She said, it's freezing out here. Your grandmother almost died. This is cold, really cold. But in addition to worrying about her grandma, Robert De Niro was there. They starred in Silver Linings Playbook together. And she said she freaked out when De Niro is 80 years old. She said she saw him looking like he had better things to do while attending her. Doesn't he always look like that? (laughs) Yeah, like aloof. She said, I looked over and I saw Bob, who doesn't know anybody. And he's kind of wandering around. And I immediately was like, no, this is not what he wants to be doing. I don't want him here. So I went over and whispered. I was like, go home. And he was nice. He talked to my parents and he was polite. But I was like, go. This genuinely made me feel better when he left. She said, I, I maybe the happiest uh, has anyone has ever been when I saw him leave that party. It was just too cold. She was worried about people. So yeah, she kicked him out of her party. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say kicked her, kicked her let him go home. Yeah. Um, the media is always trying to gin up their headlines for clicks. Um, <laughs> the next story, speaking of media, Amazon um, we had mentioned that Prime Video is going to charge you at three bucks a month mm-hmm. if you don't want ads. I recommend this story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, go to HollywoodReporter.com and read Amazon is about to eat the TV universe. This is very interesting. On um, Mark your calendar on January 29th. So it's coming up here soon. Amazon will unleash what one top advertising executive calls a tornado that will upend the streaming video landscape. The company will flip a switch and turn on ads for all its Prime Video users. Uh, users will have the option to pay $3 a month to remove the ads, but as the executive quips, almost no one will do that. Are you kidding me? After all, people are paying for Amazon for their fast shipping, Reacher, and Thursday Night Football, uh, which are thrown in for free. It's a move that marketers have been salivating for, and a few legacy media executives anxiously await to see what happens. The move will instantly turn Amazon, get this, into a streaming ad juggernaut and the largest ad-supported subscription streaming platform in the marketplace oh. with tens of millions of users leapfrogging over the likes of Netflix in the process. Amazon, run by Andy Jassy, has always been coy about how many Prime subscribers it has. The last official number in 2021 was more than 200 million, but no one disputes that its reach is almost unrivaled. Consumer Intelligence Research Partners estimates that there are about 168 million Prime subscriptions in the U.S. alone. If just half of those subs- subscriptions watch Prime Video, it would be comparable to Netflix's penetration in the United States and significantly more uh, subscriptions than the likes of Hulu, Peacock, or Paramount+. Plus. Uh, data from Nielsen also reinforces that while Netflix and YouTube take up the lion's share of viewing time, Prime Video is extremely competitive. Um, the gauge certainly suggests that if Hulu 
was just shy about of 50 million subscribers, as Disney has reported, then Amazon is at least in the same ballpark in terms of prime subs that watch video content. Most Netflix users, however, are not subscribing to the ad tier, right? The one that allows people to uh, pay less and have ads, while some Hulu subscribers also uh, opt out of ads. That scale in both subscriber reach and viewership has analysts thinking that Amazon will be able to quickly scoop up billions of ad dollars. So it's looking like they're going to have $3 billion in new ad revenue when this switch happens, plus $5 billion for from the users who opt to pay not to see the ads. So Amazon is going to, in one fell swoop, get an additional $8 billion in revenue. You know, Bezos just needs another super yacht. <sighs> yeah. He doesn't have enough. Sometimes yeah. you just need a little more. You and want more Amazon, and more and more. Amazon <laughs> bought up... Uh, uh, was it one medical, which is all over San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, wow, they've just remodeled and moved in this new location down the street. And I'm like, oh, this is all Amazon money. Yeah. Right. They're taking over everything. So yet another thing I recommend this article. So it's at hollywoodreporter.com. Amazon is about to eat the TV universe. Well, I noticed that we haven't done travel. I mean, uh, the Thursday trivia yet, and we better start it or we're not going to finish oh. it. So, oh, okay. Let us jump to that and do your Thursday trivia. This week's topic is booze. Yeah, that's booze. right. It's the topic booze. Is booze. Booze. Booze trivia. You want to go first or you want me to? Sure. The world's okay. oldest alcoholic beverage is um wine. Wrong. Really? Hmm. The oldest alcoholic beverage. Let's see if someone in the chat has it. Well, that was had to be a mistake that someone fermented something and then realized mm -hmm. they got drunk. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't involve grapes. What is it? Beer? Nope. Wow, vodka? Nope. It's it's usually honey based. Oh. It can involve added ingredients such as fruit. Sangria. William has it. Meadle? Mead. Mead. Okay. Uh, they spell M-E-A-D, -E but Mead. Yeah, William gets Interesting. it. Interesting. All right. Michael, Michael has it as well. Mead. Hmm. And Pamela has it. This sells for around $1,500 a bottle. What kind of alcoholic beverage is in Louis VIII de Remy Martin? Mm, why are you yelling red? No, it's not that. Oh. Uh, hmm. I should know this, but I don't drink that. Um, someone's gonna get it. Uh, yeah, is it cognac? Brandy it is or cognac. cognac? Yeah, cognac. it's totally yeah. cognac. Uh, Luis, Luis got yep. it. Well done, Luis. Yeah, he likes the good stuff, Luis. Yeah. Uh, oh, John actually won. Uh, got the mead first. Sorry, oh, John. Mead. I apologize. Okay. I apologize to the Watson community. And Have you ever had? Have you ever had mead? No. I finally had mead. ale when I went to England. Oh. Not that great. Is ale different than beer? Yeah, it has to do with the fermenting process, like bottom oh. versus top. And okay. It wasn't very good. I said yeah. it was good because I was in their little pub and yeah, I just, it was like <laughs> you don't want to offend. I didn't want to offend. Yeah. Uh, in Greek mythology, there is a god of wine. Yes, 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 there is a god of wine. Do you want me to name the god of wine? Yes. Is it Dion Dionysus? <gasps> Congratulations. 
Thank you. Why are you um, what is the American name for the classic Latin cocktail, the Cuba Libre, served with or without lime juice? What is the American name for it? Um, the entire time I bartended, we called it a Cuba Libre. That's the only name I know. Really? Well, it has a different name. In America, you ask for a... You want like just the ingredients? Rum and Coke? Thank you. You asked for oh, a rum and Coke. No, yeah. people call it a Cuba Libre here. I mean, those of us who are what somewhat sophisticated can. <laughs> <laughs> if you're naming the ingredients, it's not really the name of the drink. You call it a rum and Coke. Oh, what do you drink? A rum and Coke? Yeah. Yeah. That's not really. Nah. Anyway. Um, if you have to list the ingredients, it's not really a name. Uh, what will you drink? Give me a Cuba Libre. <laughs> <laughs> like if you said a rose kennedy you said it's like a name like a name of a drink that makes sense to me anyway uh moving on moving on john the yeah. word cocktail comes from a french word now i don't know if i can pronounce this properly it's c-o-q-u-e-t-i-e-r coquetier coquetier okay do you know how to pronounce that no coquetier somebody, somebody in the audience says yeah um what does that mean so the origin word of cocktail the end of something the end of a tail the end of a rabbit the end not of a dog the end. Hmm. not the end it's not a rooster the hair of the dog no it's a type of cup oh it's what was used to serve the alcohol. I don't know. A cup of a teal cup, uh uh some type, type of, of cup, type of color cup. of cup, type tall of cup. cup, a tall cup. An egg cup. An egg cup, really? Yeah, so tiny little oh, egg cup. That's egg fascinating. Cup. That's where cocktail comes from. Thanks. I'm gonna give you a softball. What liquor, liquor, the main, ingre main ingredient in the original martini, gets its distinctive flavor from juniper berries? Gin. That's right. Uh, let's see here. I'm at a slight advantage, given my history as a bartender. Or I'll just embarrass myself. We'll see. Mm -hmm. The world's oldest known recipe for beer was discovered where? Mmm... Germany, Austria. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Think older. Rome? Much older. Mm, Africa. Mm, older still. What? Or, yeah, around the same time, but older. Uh, Wrong. Wrong. China? Zone. Too far. Huh. Kathleen's close. Close. Hmm. It was a Japan? Nope. Uh, I don't know. I gave up. Uh, I guess we have to give, I, we should give it to, should give it to Kathleen because it's Samaria, which is Mesopotamia. Okay. So we'll give it to Kathleen. It's a Samaria on a clay tablet in 1800 BC. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Kathleen. Um, what is the Greek national drink? It is an 80% proof anise flavored beverage manufactured oh. nowhere else, but it's home country. 
Oh, I've had it. I've had it, and it's right out of my mind. Um, uh, is it Uzo? Oh, yes, it is. You got it right. O-U-Z-O. Oh, Uzo. and Pauline got it as well. Look at you guys. How was it? Did Karen, you, have, did you like it when you had it? It's alcohol. Mm, okay. It's strong. If you ever had like homemade alcohol, it's just like like jet fuel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The strongest beer uh, is called Brewmeister Snake Venom. Ooh. What is the alcohol by volume percentage? So normally, I think with like the light beers is like 5%. Sometimes right. the local Mendocino beers will be, Humboldt beers will be like 7, 8, even 9%. Let's say so, if this is the strongest alcohol by volume, I'm going to say yeah. 23%. No, that's cute. Did you just say uh, that's cute? That's cute. <laughs> 32%. No. What? No, keep going. 52%. Nope. Higher still? Yep. 83%. Too high. 67.5. Okay. No, thank you. Barley dried by peat fueled fires gives what liquor its distinctive smoky flavor? Barley dried by peat fueled fires gives what liquor its distinctive smoky flavor? Um, Scotch. You are right. Scotch whiskey. I'll accept it. Nice. Yeah, specific type of whiskey. Mm-hmm. I was going to say whiskey, but then I'm like, you're saying peat, and that would have been like old timey. So yeah, that's that's how I got to scotch. And if you hold your hand on that button too long, you get another one of these. <laughs> um, <laughs> the word whiskey, speaking of whiskey, comes from the Gaelic. Uh, I can't pronounce this, but I'll spell it. <laughs> U-I-S-C-E. U-I-S-C-E. I don't think anybody is going to be able to say this. Betha. B-E-A-T-H-A. Uh, what does that mean? U-I-S-C-E. Uski? This is too hard. Bitha? I don't know. Yeah. Well, the Gaelic word for whiskey, basically. What is it? What does it mean? What is it? Uh, I think we have an answer. Burning John, throat? John Watson's on fire. Water of life. Water wow. Of life. He did know it. Nice. Yeah. John's pretty smart. Um, what gives a, a, oh, here's an easy one for everyone. Then your questions are hard. Mine are like to cakewalk. What gives a cosmopolitan? It's pretty pink color. Oh, I'll let people answer that. I've only served a couple thousand. What is, you you can repeat the question. What gives a cosmopolitan? It's pretty pink color. I think it's pretty obvious, right? I wouldn't. Sandy, Sandy has it. I wouldn't know it because I don't drink this one. But yeah, it is yeah. cranberry juice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the um, competitions between bartenders is to make the lightest pink shade possible. Using oh, really? The smallest amount of because you want it to be pretty. But the problem is in the modern bar, you have a lot of them. You have the cranberry juice on the gun mm-hmm. and the, it comes out as high fructose corn syrup. But because of the mechanical way that the, the little clicker thing works, yeah. the syrup comes out. And then once you get it pushed all the way down, then the liquid comes out. Right. But too much syrup comes out and that that cranberry juice concentrate is like blood red Ooh. right if you get any of it in that drink boom the whole drink turns dark red so we yeah. always try to make it we'd always compete to make you know to make our uh, cosmopolitans really pretty 
Um, the original okay. recipe for gin included. Oh, <laughs> you already already uh, said it. I'll change the question. So you already said the original recipe for gin included juniper berries. Yeah. What was it originally used in medicine for? What was it used? What were uh, juniper berries used in medicine for? Was it anesthesia? No. Hmm. To treat a certain organ of the body that was having trouble. Hmm. Juniper berries, huh? Was it gastrointestinal issues? Close nearby in the neighborhood. Uh, kind of was problems. It, was it uterine issues? Close. Mm. Ovaries? Close. Probably closer. V vaginal issues? No, outside that uh, compound. Oh. <laughs> outside the <laughs> vaginal compound. Guys have them too. Oh. Uh... It's not the liver. It's not kidneys? the bladder. The kidneys. Yeah, kidneys. Uh, there we go. God, go all, all over the place. Juniper all berries. Right. How about your kidneys? Which American beer brand, when spelled backward, is a popular article of summer clothing? It's not Budweiser. Uh, I have no idea. Hmm. Popular beer spelled backwards? Mm-hmm. It's not Coors, is it? Not uh, spelled backwards in my head. No. Which, uh, what did I say? Which beer brand? It's not Budweiser. It's not Miller Lite. It's not Coors. No. Which American beer brand, when spelled backward, is a popular article of summer clothing? I don't know. I've never heard of this beer. Oh, then I'm not going to get it. So I'll give you the what, answer. You said popular. We've never well, heard of it. Apparently, it's popular to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stroh's. S T R O H apostrophe S. That must be an East Coast thing. I've never heard of that. When you spell Stroh's backwards, it's shorts. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's from Detroit. Okay. Hmm, okay. I don't think I've ever heard of it. I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. Has anybody in the chat ever seen it? Well, obviously somebody has. Doug Doug heard of it. Anyway. Okay. That was uh, difficult, actually. The oldest known evidence of grape wine dates back to 6,000 BC. In what modern country? Say it again. The oldest known evidence of grape wine dates back to 6,000 BC oh. in which country? Greece. No. Italy. No, it's not in, well, it's not technically in Europe. It probably wants to be in Europe. That's a good clue. Is it Israel? No. Closer to Europe. Hmm. Portugal. No, I said closer to Europe. Oh, closer to Europe. Uh, Germany. Not Europe. Closer to closer to Europe. Uh, I said it probably wants to be part of Europe. Oh. I'm making this way too complicated. Uh, it's yeah, not Russia, but it's close. Okay. It's close to Turkey, relatively speaking. I don't know. I'll give you a clue. It's technically under attack from Russia. It's not Ukraine. It's still been invaded by Russia. 
somebody's got to get it based off of that clue. Country that has been invaded by Russia. It is not Ukraine. Belarus? No. They just sold their soul to, uh, hmm. to Russia. Karen has it, or Adolf Twitler has it. Let's see who got it first. Adolf Twitler. Uh, no, John Slade. Georgia. All right. All in the same, Georgia. Georgia. Sorry, that a, took way too long. A brewer is a male beer maker. What do you call a female beer maker? Brewstress. Interestingly, almost. It is. Oh. She is a brewster. Oh, Brewster. Oh, isn't mm -hmm. that like a name of a, a bar? A restaurant? It is in Petaluma. Brewsters? Brewsters. Is it mm -hmm. all one run by women who like beer? No. Okay. <laughs> it is not. Oh, we're way over time. So let's we quickly, are. We got to wrap it up. Do, I'll do one more and then okay. uh, you do one more. Rum was once used as currency in the Caribbean uh, and was a key part of what commerce? Trade. More specific. This, the spice trade, the salt trade, the close trade with European settlers. I don't know. It involved the Europeans. Mm, gold trade. Nope. Salt trade. Think more nefarious. Oh, no, not the slave trade. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you have a happier uh, question? That's sad. All right. I'll give you one more. Sure, there's a Manhattan, but what is a Bronx cocktail? Never heard of that. Um, a Bronx cocktail. Something dirty, hard. Mm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know this, but I'm not a bar person. That's why you threw that in there. <laughs> well, you're going to know this. You know, you, you, I have to give you the challenging ones. Well, <laughs> the thing you have to remember about bartending is everything's regional. Yeah, uh, people come from Las Vegas and they're like, "Can I get a a a, a snake back a tooth or whatever?" And I'm like, "No one's ever heard of that drink." They're like, oh, "I go order it in Vegas all the time. Can I get a touchdown?" I'm like nobody knows what you're talking about. This is. I'll give you the answer: gin, orange juice, and vermouth. Did anybody get it right? That sounds disgusting. Gin, orange juice, and vermouth. That is a Bronx cocktail. My thanks to the ultimate challenge, Uncle John's bathroom reader twi trivia quiz book. Woohoo! Have you you've been staring at those? Yeah. At those questions. I have about twenty of these in the bathroom. Twenty? <laughs> yeah, they come out with a new book every year. We get. One oh, I thought you were like going to say you had to throw them away or something. Mm, no. Going through so many. <laughs> uh, we want to thank ongoing contributor Teresa W. Thank you so much. And thank then we have uh, super stickers. We do. Like we him. have Pamela for $5 for Archie. Thank you, Pamela, for your nice message. Spencer for $5 and always supporting the show. Thank you. And of course, Wes for always supporting the show as well. Thank you for playing along with us on Trivia and for hanging out with us. Tomorrow is Friday. We will do oh, it all again. Oh, it's Friday. You know what that means. Florida Gators. Oh, Friday Fabulous Florida. Yeah. So join us on the Mark Thompson Show. We'll do that. And then we'll do the after party live as well. Have a great afternoon, we'll everybody. Bye-bye.